Praise God, everybody. Agape, how we doing? How's Agape doing? All right, all right, all right. Turn your Bibles a second. And can you go ahead and put your finger, keep your finger there. Uh, we're going to also look at Psalm 51, verse 17. We're concluding our series uh, today on matters of the heart. Next week, we start with the cross movement. Next week, we start with cross movement. That's going to be a five-sermon series on the movement towards the cross. We're going to start from his birth to the cross. So it'll be a cross, it's, going to be, it's called cross movement. So uh, invite a friend to come and join us. And of course, on the last Sunday, the 31st, is Easter Sunday. That is when we get to the cross. Praise God. Amen. And I can tell you Easter Sunday is going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. So bring a friend, bring everybody, bring like five or six friends. We want to pack this whole place out Easter Sunday. Can, can you guys help me do that? Amen. Can you guys help me do that? Amen. Okay, y'all ain't with me. Can somebody help me bring some people? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right. And you can dress however way you want today. It's tea and jean, of course. So I'm, you know me, I'm already, this is like my Sunday outfit now. So, okay. Second Kings uh, 20 verse 5. Praise God. Oh, Lord, have your way in this place. Yes. Have your way in this place, Lord. The Spirit of God's going to move in the house today. Verse 5, it says this. It says, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, the word of God. Psalm 51, verse 17. It says this, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, you, O oh Lord, do not despise. Sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. These, O oh Lord, you do not despise. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. Lord God, as this word weighs heavy on me, Father, and I release it to your people, I ask, Lord God, that those will be delivered by this word, that they will be healed by this word. Father, we ask, Lord, that we will be transformed by your word. Lord, touch us, Father. Lord, don't let it be my words, Lord God, but let it be yours, Father. Have your way in this place, Lord. Do as you please in this house, Father. Not, don't let it be my doing, but let it be yours, Lord. Manifest your glory, Father. I declare victory in your name. Lord, I ask right now that you push any spirit of depression, any spirit of lack, any spirit of distraction as we come to hear this word, Father. May deliverance happen in this house. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hezekiah, run and tell Hezekiah, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, 
You shall go up to the house of the Lord. I'm going to have to move quickly through this. But I want to start with this. That the productive and imaginative facilities of your existence are manifested by the mechanisms of your heart. What am I saying? That your productivity is residual. It comes from the fecundity of your mind. Um, let me repeat the first one again. The productive and the imaginative facilities of your existence are manifested by what? The mechanisms of the heart. What I'm saying is, is what makes you productive is what your mind produces. The fecundity is the repro reproductivity, the reproduction, the ability for your mind to come up with thoughts, ideas, and things. And it is where you are creative. And, and the Bible, if you were here at Bible study, you would know that the mind is equated with the heart. That the heart is the mind. And so if I tell you that your operability, the ability for you to function, resides in the ability for your mind to come up with ideas, for your mind to be creative, then you can understand now that being heartbroken is a malfunction of your very existence. Uh, uh, being heartbroken now says that I'm not able to think productively because a person who is heartbroken is a person who is mind broken. I don't know if I'm preaching uh, to somebody today. Is that when your heart is malfunctioning or your mind or your spirit is malfunctioning, then the very essence of who you are can't function correctly. Can I tell you that there's some people who cannot progress in life because they still have heartbreak that they haven't dealt with in the past. When your heart is broken, you can't think straight. Uh, is there anybody that can say that, man, there was a time when I felt heartbreak and I did some really stupid things? Heartbreak can make you do some dumb stuff. You can just watch the news and you can see what heartbreak can do. And see, that's the issue that I want to address to you today. And it's the last sermon that I want to preach on in this Matters of the Heart series is this issue of heartbrokenness. Heartbreak. If you want to title this sermon today, you would title it Heartbroken. Go on the app and that's the title you're going to see. It's Heartbroken. And I feel I need to preach this because some of us, what's tied us down is ourselves. The reason why we can't progress in life is because of us. The reason why I can't move forward in my career, in my relationship, in my job, in the other things I got going on, is because there are malfunctions in my heart that is causing the mechanisms, the facilities of who I am not to fully progress. I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody who's heartbroken because I came to preach to some people that still got some pain from five years ago, pain from 10 years ago, pain from two years ago, pain from three months ago that are operating but are malfunctioning. And see, that's the thing that I want to address to you today is that if you don't go to your place of brokenness, how are you going to move forward? If you don't go to your place of brokenness, how can you truly find joy? 
if you don't go to that place and find healing there, if you don't go to that place and find deliverance there, how do you expect? So that's what I want to deal with today. Let me help you understand this. Is that your heart, the reason why it breaks in the first place is because there are detachments that happen in your life. A heartbreak comes from separation. We are attached to things. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart. Which implies that it's the things that your heart is attached to. Uh, your heart's ability to function comes from the attachment to things. There are those of us, the reason why we find joy is because, or temporary joy, is because we attach ourselves to stuff. Uh, we attach ourselves to people. Attach ourselves to money. Attach ourselves to jobs. Attach ourselves to status. I don't know if anybody's with me right now. And you'll realize that the reason why you have felt heartbreak is because something has been ripped away from your heart know if I'm preaching to somebody right now to say that I felt something when he left me I felt something when she left me uh, something happened to me when when I lost my job I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody today but I hope you guys will understand that the very root of, of, of your heartbreak resides in a separation from the things that your heart was attached to that's why he says where your treasure is there your heart will be also take away the treasure where's your heart so I'm taking my time in this part because I want to make sure I break it down for you is that when you go to your place of heartbreak, it requires a self-examination. Uh, when your heart is broken, you have to now re-examine yourself. Your place of heartbreak is your fork in the road. I'm taking my time here. I'm taking my time to help you understand. Is that when you begin, when you get separated from something, you've got to reevaluate the thing that you were attached to in the first place. And I came to tell you today is that when you put yourself on things that are temporal, how do you expect infinite joy when you've attached your joy to temporal things? You guys want joy everlasting, peace that's unspeakable, but you're tying it up to stuff. You can't get it from him. He can't give you everlasting joy. He's just icing on the cake. You can't get it from your job because you can get fired any day. You're not going to get that everlasting joy from those things. You've got to go deeper. And so I came to preach to you today that when you are in a place of separation and a place of heartbreak, that's when you got to reevaluate yourself to say, am I really this? Is this all I'm all about? Is the person that I was with? Is all I'm all about the money that I had? Is all that I'm about the career? Is all that I'm about those things? What am I really about? I got to reexamine myself, analyze myself, and then tell myself whether or not this is really me. I, I'm preaching to some people today because some of us, we mask our heartbrokenness. We put smiles on our faces, but we know what we're feeling inside hurts. And we continue to move forward in life acting like it's all good, but you're never getting past your pain in the past. But here's the thing is that you've got to make a decision now. You reach a place in your life where you have to decide and say, am I more? Take your time. And go back to your hurt spot. Can, 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 we, can we go there? A lot of people don't want to go to that place because it doesn't feel good. 
We don't want to approach our place of heartbreak because it hurts. And if we don't revisit it, what we've done is now we operate in dysfunction. Dysfunctional people. We function just not correctly. That's why I like brokenness. If we're broken, somebody may come and fix us. I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody today. But I, I, I feel like I need to preach this because you see, when you're in the broken place, you're in a decision point, you're in a venture, you're deciding, I'm at the fork in the road now. Who am I really? Am I better than this? And there are some people who are who in their brokenness find deliverance because they make a decision to themselves to say that I am not this. I am not about the job. I am more than that. I'm not attached to this thing. I'm more than that. I, maybe you needed to be separated from that person. Maybe you needed to be separated from that job. Maybe you needed your heart to be broken to finally find who you are is there anybody that can say it was in my brokenness that i really got to know who i was it was in my brokenness that i really got to know my relationship with god i decided to myself that i'm way too anointed way too gifted way too blessed to be crying in my house staying the way i am staying beat down now i am way better than this job there's something better for me i'm way better than this relationship i was too good for him anyway i didn't need him i was way better than this relationship I was too good for her here I am being a husband and here she is being a and that's the very nature of it am I preaching to somebody right now separation and that's what brings us to this text and Hezekiah and see I gotta move quick here in second kings now we see Hezekiah he's in a place of brokenness and it's peculiar. Let's go, let's go to the text real quick. Is that we see the separation now that's happening to Hezekiah. In 2 Kings verse 20, we see Hezekiah now in a familiar place. He's in a place that a lot of us have been in. Where we're in, right after a victory, we feel defeat. Um, uh, it's a very interesting place to be in. When we read the text, we go a little bit before that, further ahead. Hezekiah had just come from a political and career victory. Uh, something that is undescribable. It was a life-changing victory. Understand, Hezekiah was a man who's described as a good man. Uh, who was modeled after David. Uh, but here's the thing about Hezekiah was, is that he took his position at a very young age. Uh, I like that because you see, sometimes people attach your anointing by your age, attach your anointing by the degrees, by what you got. But God can use anybody. Uh, can, can you just tell, say, God can use me. God can, can still use me. It doesn't require a, a, a degree or it doesn't require me to be 40 years old, 50 years old. God can still use each and every person that is in here. As a matter of fact, I'll say this, that we have a young church today and I'm very happy about that because you see God can use the young folks a lot more than the old folks. Old folks been too religious for too long to hear the voice of God but young people are still looking for relationship. So that's why I believe that while Hezekiah was young he was useful to God. Hezekiah was different. He was separated. Now the Bible tells us that Hezekiah had faced a challenge. There it was Sennacherib who was the Assyrian king. He was the guy who was we can call him the arch enemy uh, but he was very powerful and he was very strong. If we go through that text we won't have enough time to go through it but here's what we understand is that Hezekiah was backed into a corner now after he was backed into that corner the Bible tells us that he was sitting there and he got on his knees and he prayed and cried to the Lord understand that God gets attracted when people cry 
uh, God is attracted by the tears. And here Hezekiah was uh, crying to the Lord saying, God, here they are, 185,000 of them outside of the city and they're ready to tear this place down. Now here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that afterwards God answers his prayer and those 185,000 men are killed. And so Sennacherib now returns back to Nineveh and after he returns back to Nineveh, one of his own end up killing him. Is anybody with me right now? So he has victory now, not by his power, but by by God's power, not by his might, but by God's might, meaning he sees evidence of the anointing of God. Can I preach to somebody right now? Is that you know that God is working in your life when there are things that you accomplish that are way bigger than who you are. That's why when you make goals in your life, dreams, visions, aspirations, you've got to look bigger than what you can do. It's got to be greater than you because you see that I got a greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So if I'm going to make a plan in my life, it's got to be something that's so radical that when people see me, they know that the anointing of God is on me. Now, 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 we look a little bit further in the text. We see now that Hezekiah now has won the victory. He's won this battle. And, and, and I don't know if anybody knows what that feels like. When you come to church on Sunday and you feel like you let some stuff go and you feel like you broke some chains and you said, I won this battle. This is all mine now. I'm victorious. And then Monday comes. Anybody been to conference on Saturday? And then Sunday, you ain't feeling that good no more. Hezekiah just won the biggest battle of his career. And now the prophet comes up to him. Prophet Isaiah comes to him and says to him, set your things in order. Verse 1. Get your stuff in order because you are going to die. And you will not live. I, I, I wish I had enough time to talk about this. But have you ever felt that way when you said, man, I feel like I got so much life in me and all of a sudden tomorrow somebody comes and condemns my very existence. Condemns my potential. I felt so good about where I was going and then somebody said I couldn't do it. Felt like I could accomplish a lot of things, but then I was separated from it. I felt like I was moving forward in my career, my job, and then I got fired. Felt like he was the one, and then I found out he cheated. Felt like she was the right one, and she told me she wanted to call it quits. I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody right now. They say, I had this plan and this thought in my mind that I was going somewhere, and now you present me with this? I hope I'm setting something up for you guys to understand that where Hezekiah is coming from is not an awkward and unreal place. We deal with it every day, every one of us. We deal with it in some form or another where we've got these plans, these dreams, these visions, and all of a sudden they're crushed. And what heartbreak is it when you've been separated from stuff? separated from your goals and dreams, separated from your aspiration. And I don't blame you for feeling dead because you wanted it, it didn't work out. How dare I dream something else? How dare I believe that God can still do something in my life? How dare I believe that there'll be something greater for me? And now Hezekiah is sitting there and he could have done one of two things. He could have first said to himself, that's it. I'm done. Prophet said. Oh. There's something even more frustrating. 
Then when it's not your mother, it's not your father, because we know our mother's faults. We've seen her cuss in the house a couple times. We know our father's faults. We know the mess he's done. But what happens when the prophet of God, the voice of God tells me, says to me, set your stuff up, you dying. How, what kind of heartbreak is it when you see that the guy who's anointed by God, instead of speaking life into my situation, here he is speaking death. Into, oh, I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody right now. Some of us, we give pastors and prophets way too much credit. We wait for them to tell us that we're going to be blessed for us to feel like we're blessed. We're waiting for hands to be laid on us for them to tell us that we're going to be... Am I preaching to somebody right now? And here's the prophet. Can you imagine now that the prophet says that this is the voice of God speaking? Here are the words of God that says, pack your stuff up. You're going to die. Get your stuff ready. It's over for you. I wonder how you would have felt in your room. When you got home, said, you got 36 hours to get your stuff in order because you are going to die. Some of y'all, you guys got a bucket list, you know, you would have been like, okay, I got to do my skydiving thing. You know, I got to, I got to make sure I just start shooting stuff and, and I got to start going crazy. And you know, you know, you you ain't scared no more, right? You would have given up already. I I, want to preach this now because what heartbreak is it when a man of God tells you that there's nothing left? Now, here's what it says. It says, Hezekiah receives the information. Notice now the very nature of heartbreak. Heartbreak will force you to do one of two things. Either give up or fight. I haven't seen it halfway. Some of y'all today have given up. Go back to that place that you were broken. And you could say, man, I gave up. I said, that's it. There ain't nothing for me no more. No opportunity, no chance, no nothing. And that could be your own predicament. You've decided on it. Or you can make a decision and say, I heard the information, but I know my God is a little bit different than what I'm hearing here. Oh, my God. The prophet told me something that doesn't really align with what God said. He's telling me something that doesn't make sense yet to me. So now Ezekiel says to himself, I I, I got to handle this a different way. I could cry to you right now, but uh, you already condemned me. That's why you can't be going to people for counsel because there's some people that are waiting for you to get in the grave. There's some people that are waiting for it to be over for you. So you can't be counseling the people now. You've got to get in a special place. The Bible says this, that Hezekiah then, he gets, he goes into the wall and he puts his face on the wall. I got to preach this because you see some of us, we don't know what wall prayer is really like. Here's what wall prayer is. Wall is undistracted prayer. It's saying, I don't care who you are. I don't care what's next to me. I'm focusing myself on one thing and it's God right now. Yeah, I'm hearing stuff to my left and yes, I'm hearing stuff to my right, but I know that my God can still handle my situation. You see, a wall prayer doesn't look at the condition, but a wall prayer looks at the possibilities because even when the situation looks impossible, I know that my God is the God of the impossible. My God is 
is the God of the improbable. Hezekiah now puts his face on the wall. He starts praying to God. He says, God, I fasted for too long. God, I prayed for too long. God, I've done way too much stuff for you, for you to tell me that this is how it's going to end. Everybody's turned their back on me, but I know you told me in your word that you will never leave me, nor will you forsake me. I know that you said in your word that you came that I may have life and that I'll have it in abundance. I will not accept this sentence because I know it doesn't match with you. You said I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. You won't leave me in this mess. I won't stay in this situation. I know there's still something on the other side. Now, now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that immediately something took the prophet. Now, we're not talking about any prophet now, okay? We're talking about Isaiah, all right? He's like the prophet of prophets. He's like LeBron James of prophets. Okay? He, he's, you don't play with Isaiah. Isaiah says something, that's it. And now my prayer has arrested his anointing. Wow. Meaning I may not have qualified and I may not be a prophet. Can I preach to somebody? I may not be a preacher, but I still got relationship with God. Maybe I don't speak in tongue, but I still got anointing. Maybe I don't, I can't play in the band, but I know God can still hear me because I've been way too good for him, done way too much for him, for him to leave me in this mess. Here's what I love. Is that the prayer of an, of a lowly man like Ezekiah to arrest the very anointing of Isaiah. Isaiah's walking out and God goes, hold up. Turn around. I want to make sure you're catching what I'm about to say right now. He says, go back to him and tell him something for me. Now, now understand this and, and, and I'm, I, I know I'm almost done here. What happened there? Some people say this. And by the way, this is an incorrect exegesis to say that Hezekiah's prayer changed his mind. Hezekiah's prayer changed God's mind. I got a problem with that. Because I know that my God is an infinite God. He's a God who's already set his will in place. God don't change his mind. Because if God's mind changes, then his disposition changes. The very essence of who he is changes. As a matter of fact, if God changes his mind, he's admitted that he can make a mistake. And if my God is perfect, then I can't believe that God changed his mind. I don't know if anybody's catching what I'm saying right now. So now the prophet, God spoke to the prophet, said he's going to die. Then he says, go back and tell him that he's got. So I asked myself this question. What actually went down? If God didn't change his mind, what went down? Here's what I find. Is that if you look at Jeremiah chapter 26, he makes it very clear. Jeremiah actually clarifies it for us. He says this. He says, he says, it's not that it's his mind that he changed, but that the Lord relented. Now, 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 let me help you understand this. So you understand where I'm coming from. And then I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. It says here, it says the Lord relented. Now, what does it mean to be, to relent? Now, now it means to change the course of things. Uh, it's derived from the word nakim, which means to change the course. 
What it's saying is that God's mind never changed. It was that Ezekiel decided to change the course of how things would happen. You see, sometimes in life, you are faced with some situations that will condemn you. You're faced with issues that will bring you down. You're faced with stuff that says, man, there's nothing else for me. And now I'm presented with that situation. I've got two choices. What to just continue down that course, but that course is not necessarily God's will. Meaning God is telling you that where you are is going to lead to death. But Hezekiah makes a decision now. He says, I'm not going down like this because I know that your will for me is life. I'm not going down like this because I know your plans for me are for success. You plan a future for me. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. So now Hezekiah says, here's how I change the course of my life. What I'm going to do now is, is I'm going to present my broken heart. And that's why the verse says in Psalm 51, it says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. The Bible says that the Lord is near to those who are broken hearted. So what I understand is this, is that God is attracted to brokenness. I didn't have any time to really preach this out. But he's attracted to brokenness. He hears him. Look what it says in the passage. It says, I have seen your tears. I have seen your tears. I didn't just hear a, God, you told me that I was going to die. And Lord, I'm just, you know, I don't, I don't like it. God, they just told me that my financial aid been cut off. And I just came to tell you today that I don't like it. God, I thought this was the guy I was going to marry. But I guess he doesn't think that. So I don't like it. God, am I preaching to somebody right now? Some of us, we pray dysfunctional prayers. We don't pray the brokenness anymore. But there's somebody who says, I've been hurt for way too long. And I know that if I send this report out to God to say, look at the tears in my heart. Look at the tears coming out of my eyes. God, you told me that that which I sow in tears, I will reap in joy. Meaning I got to just deposit this in you and I expect that you will change the course of my life. I've got to believe that this is not going to stay the same way, but God is going to do something different. I've got to believe that my God wouldn't just leave me abandoned in this situation. There's something greater. There's something better. There's something... Oh, I, I wish I was preaching to somebody right now who says, I don't care if it don't look good right now. I know that all things work for the good for those who love God and those who are called according to his will. Meaning, I know it don't look right right now, but my God loves me way 
too much to keep me in this mess. Put your hands up right now. The Bible says that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. See, I didn't have enough time to preach this whole thing and to really, you know, do what I do. But I want to make sure, because we, we're out of time, I want to make sure you understand this. Is that when you give God your brokenness, <laughs> I'm preaching to some heartbroken people right now. Heartbroken, heartbroken. You don't know what to do anymore. You can't even think straight. Heartbroken. You can't even function right no more. Life just doesn't look good no more. Nothing tastes right. Nothing feels right. He didn't come. This is not the life he gave you. It's that came that you may have life.